G'day and welcome back to the Voice of a Veteran podcast. This episode is a special episode with the one and only Mr. Andrew Papadopoulos, or simply Andrew Pap. One of the most recognisable names in the Australian fitness community. I travelled to Perth to have a chat with Pap, who's actually a veteran himself, and was really amazed by the conversations we had. He really affirmed himself as a warrior of not only uh, physical training, but mental and mindset. And this episode is full of amazing insights of this guy and his journey, and it was so inspiring to sit and listen to a man who really has it figured out and has had, has been on his mission for a long time now. So tune in. This is a really great episode with some key takeaways for anyone who is listening and wants to focus on some mindset and some motivation and really hear from a very, very authentic Australian himself. Welcome back to another podcast episode of Voice of Veteran. I'm here with the man, the myth, the fitness legend, Mr. Andrew Papp. He is the founder of 365 and he has so many different labels and identities and we might dive into that. But first and foremost, welcome, Andrew. Heston, thanks for having us, uh, mate. Appreciate being here and thank you for travelling to the West Coast and I'm glad we could connect. Absolutely, yeah. For those who haven't seen this, I'm over here in, where are we? Muh. Malaloo. Malaloo, yeah. up here in, in, over here in WA during the middle of the COVID lockdown. So I managed to get over here from Brizzy after spending that time with mum for Chrissy. And just before this, this is the very first podcast I've rolled out by myself. So Pap got to witness me break one of the cables, forget a micro SD card, go and drive into the place that didn't open till 11 o'clock, leave him high and dry without any uh, rations and water. And uh, he's, he set about digging into his old, old veteran identity to do what he can. So man, I want to talk about you. You're known to, to be Mr. Fitness. You know, I first came across you um, social media wise in the fitness world, but what do you like to be known as, mate? Like what, what defines you? What's your identity? That's a good question. Um, mate, I think, you know, I am heavily entrenched within the fitness industry and I don't blame anyone to put that label on me at, at all. You know, it's, it's, it's heavily, my lifestyle revolves around it. I'm, you know, quite active. Uh, I partake in, in, in a daily routine that exists solely in that industry. And, and but I, I really want to be someone who, is not only trying to lead by example, but I want to be someone who is has built themselves in a manner that can support others. You know, I've always wanted to live a life of service, uh, regardless of where where that may be. And for me, that's where I get the greatest fulfillment is using my strengths and learning from my weaknesses to gain empathy, to gain experience, and and develop strategies and methodologies that can assist people in one way or the other. Gotcha. A life of service. Tell me about that. That's a that's a, a great a great piece here, particularly you know for our community. But mate, you've been a veteran yourself. But you know, like you said, a lot you really enjoy supporting and helping others. So tell me about this life of service and what that means to you. Well, mate, I, I've had uh, humble beginnings, and uh, that had allows me to to gain a perspective uh, on both sides of the fence. So you know, I came from a family that was that was broken. Uh, and decimated with mental illness. Okay. Uh, so everyone in my family, bar myself, has mental illness, whether it's schizophrenia, bipolar, wow. monthly personality disorder. So um, growing up in that aspect and, and seeing my, my parents deal with this and, and slowly fall into a lower socioeconomic chain, you know, we went down to the bottom of the ladder where we needed government housing, people came to bring us food. Like we, we hit rock bottom wow. and coming from a position where – my parents had their own they, they started in a, in a tough place but they built themselves up and they started their own business and gained some some success but seeing them seeing it all crumble underneath them and, and out of their control 
um, their circumstances were, were really tough. And, and I had to kind of learn this and, and understand it and gain awareness of this fact growing up. So I was forced to mature quite early and the, the experiences that I had both personally, within the family, within my environment, um, had to, it shaped me. Um, it wasn't my identity. I didn't choose, it didn't, didn't dictate who I was. I had to respond in a manner that would be conducive for me to, to, to do what I believed I deserved. Um, being surrounded in hardship, being surrounded in tough circumstances, and particularly where I was living in Housing Commission, pretty much the whole suburb was, was in a similar state. And it's understandable. I have the understanding that I can appreciate people seeing their environment and believing that's what it is yep. um, because you're conditioned to it. But because I was prior to going into you know, this housing estate, I was, I, I saw the other side. So I knew that there was other options and, and but I could def- definitely empathise with people who didn't and who conducted themselves in a manner that, you know, that society frowns upon or thinks yep. it is right or wrong, whatever it may be. But having that, uh, it was more of a, a coping mechanism mm-hmm. and um, I needed to respond in a way that wouldn't be self-destructive. And that's where I've gained a lot of my certain philosophies and, and a lot of things that have built strong foundations quite deep. Gotcha. Mate, there's a lot there. Wow, some, yeah. some very humble beginnings. And it's interesting part for me sitting here hearing that is, you know, I obviously had no idea about that about you and uh, it's not something that you bring to your front. You know, a lot of people um, would potentially use something like that as potentially a, a level of entitlement to enable them to achieve progression or shortcut progression. But you've, um, you've definitely really self-made yourself. Um, mm. Well, I guess my, my next question is, what does mental health mean to you? It probably means a lot more to you than it does most people. Let, talk to me about that. You know, you've seen it from the, the clinical um, extremes through to just everyday life. So mm-hmm. tell, me, tell me, mental health, what does mental health mean to Andrew Papp? Well, for me, you know, getting involved with being active and being a, around positive like, or like-minded positive people is a necessity and having that support network. Um, but yeah, as you said, I've seen the darkest parts of, of what the mind can do. Yeah. Um, and I've seen the strongest parts too. Yep. So I've seen both sides of the fence. And I guess what I've also witnessed is that, you know, for me having this determination uh, and the ability to continue to, to march forward and push forward no matter what is in front yep. has derived from knowing that's always my choice at the end of the day. Yep. And seeing my family had that choice taken away from them like you know they didn't choose to become ill they didn't choose to lose their livelihood and and deal with the you know the conditions that it it brings i would never really would feel sorry for myself or could never justify to quit or stop because i've always have have that choice and that choice alone is privilege and i think um it's natural to, to to have self pity it's natural to feel i i encourage people never to be like you've always got to be positive, always got to be happy. It's unrealistic. It, you've got to be completely, have, have that self-awareness, yep. situational awareness of how do I feel? How's the circumstance, circumstances or situation making me feel? Uh, how does it make other people around me feel? And what's the best way to conduct myself from here on in? And that's where you can define yourself from your actions in response to those circumstances, even when those circumstances haven't been of your choice. Brilliant, mate. You're talking about language, self-awareness, situational awareness. Mm. Sounds like you've done a bit of military training. <laughs> tell us about tell us about your, your time as a veteran, mate. It was short and sweet. Yep. Um, I finished high school, year 12. I graduated. I wasn't... Conv- Where, whereabouts was this? This is on Central Coast. Okay. So about an hour and a half north of Sydney. Uh-huh. And I wasn't completely convinced that 
university was my my calling um and a few of my friends joined up for the gap year and i just thought you know i really enjoy physical fitness i i, I conduct myself i conduct myself quite well in a structured environment yep. and this is an opportunity that you can't experience outside the adf and so adf adf gap year gap year yeah got it okay, correct cool. yeah yeah uh, has anyone served in your family beforehand or where did was there any other military ties other than wanting routine and structure and challenge? My grandfather on my dad's side, he yep. was in the uh, Greek army. Oh, wow. Uh, and he fought against the Axis okay. in World War II. There you go. Yeah. Legit. He was okay. a commando. And I've, yep. got, I've got his, um, yeah, I've got all these gongs and, and certificates and stuff like that. Wow. It's pretty. Good drills. It was, it was, it was, it was quite uh, humbling to read what he went through. Yeah. Um, Mate, they did it tough back then. Oh, they definitely <laughs> did. Uh but yeah, so having that as a bit of a background for sure, that gave me a bit more awareness maybe than what other people may have had, yep. a bit more perspective. But your, your purpose for service was more self-development? Self-development, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I was only uh, 18 and I knew nothing and I thought, you know, the only thing that grows somebody is throwing yourself in the deep end and seeing how you respond. Um, and so I only served from 2018 to 2019. Yep. Um, Whereabouts? I first was just, you know, you did your boot camp, uh, Kapuka, <laughs> IIT's training in yep. Singleton and then six months from Townsville. Okay. Um, Which battalion were you with out there? Well, there's one and two at the time, but we were actually with a separate group called Combat Training Centre, CTC. CTC. That's it. Yeah, so we did serve alongside other full-time members, but I think they were the kind of the type of people who just weren't coping or didn't want to be there yep. so they pushed them into ctc yep. um but the, mate that was a great learning experience because we got to learn you know different weapon systems different tactics we got to train alongside um the the men and women who were going yeah. who were being pre-deployed doing all their pre-deployment training so the so ctc is that element that provides the enemy force for a lot of the um training just for those listening who haven't heard this before you know they go out there and they provide us our enemy party so we're not just sitting there fighting our own battles and they do all sorts of foreign weapons, foreign tactics, and it's probably a pretty good place to be able to demonstrate some of your own initiative. But particularly as a gap year, that would have been so interesting to, to see from your perspective. It was. You know, yeah. I always wanted to do well. Um, and I was usually, particularly, I was always in a 2IC role. Yep. And, um, you know, I just wanted to make sure my guys were okay, make sure we got the objective done, um, learning along the way, making mistakes and, and improving. And, and it, was, it was an environment that I did flourish in. Yep. Um, and I did get to see a lot in Townsville at the time, I did get to see a lot of guys returning as well. And I got to see and hear the you know, severity of some of what, what happened yep. in, in deployment. It didn't deter me from staying on. Um, it actually, it, it kind of grew my resolve, strengthened my resolve to, to commit. Yep. Uh, just my family circumstances just went south real hard. Yep. And after the gap year, I was, it wasn't in a position to be away from home. Okay. So that's been, that's one of the biggest regrets I have in my life. Oh, really? Mm. Why is that? I always... As in leaving the military? Leaving the military. Okay. I always felt a calling to be of service. And right. I felt like that was a strength of mine to be in that position. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have any regrets now. But I mean, I, it's, the regret would be the wrong word. Um, but I had a good friend in the military who from IATs from Singleton and he used to always confide in me and he was a bit of a, a bit of a troubled guy, uh, heart of gold. He was a leader and I looked up to him and he was a bit older than me. And, um, you know, I was with him through a lot of the, the, you know, the downs that he went through and mm -hmm. I left, he stayed on and eventually he, he took his own life 
couple of years afterwards and we started we we sort of stopped talking and so yeah hearing that you know i know it's not my it wasn't my responsibility and i'm not responsible for it but it, it i just thought what if i was still in and what if we were still in contact yeah. um and there's other people out there you know going through the same thing <clears throat> pardon me so that's where you know i took a few different directions to to do as much as i can out here than yep. what i would do in there wow mate you are right there exposed close to it on the ground you know some of the issues that our veterans currently go through but i mean you're obviously set upon your path um, it's incredible the amount of like just sitting across with the amount of like resilience and experience you have is what 30 years old yeah good yeah. spring chicken um, <laughs> well mate you know there's there's so many layers to you and it's fantastic to see that um talk to me how you then became into the fitness i mean did mm. you did you gravitate to that before military service it was obviously probably very um, pivotal during military service mm. but how did apart from the family circumstances talk mm. to me about that progression to where you are right now yeah, look, as you know, I was in infantry. Fitness is a huge thing. Um, and I always, I never wanted my fitness to be uh, a weak point. You know, I wanted, to, I wanted that to not even be questionable and just focus on everything else that needs to be squared away. And, 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 and seeing how far I can push myself and seeing the dynamics that occur within group training and particularly, obviously, when the emphasis is to, you know, save each other, you know, protect each other. It's obviously at a a, a, a grander scale it's you, trying to teach civilians that same uh, to, to, to I guess insert themselves with as much um, veracity and commitment and selflessness is hard when your life isn't on the line yep. and all your friends lives are on the line but I knew there was a lot of powerful uh, transferable benefits that the military taught me that I could also instill in others yep. but I left the military and I actually signed up to become a paramedic Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, in Central Coast again? Uh, yeah, I was on the Central Coast. Cool. So, I started to do um, the, all the, the training and testing for that. And I was waiting for my enlistment date. And in that time, I just worked a, a skilled, I was a skilled labourer for almost two years. Yep. Um, you know, I wasn't really brought up on the tools. So, I actually learned a lot about everything to do with anything. And that, that taught me a lot of lessons. I end, end up managing, you know, a, a group of, of guys every day, every week. Um, it was minimum wage. It was really hard. It was really hard physical work, but um, it was. I think it was a, a great part of my life to gain more perspective on like what it's like to have a proper full time job uh, and, and and work in outside of the military and yep. you know b- prior to going into the fitness industry. I got my enlistment date, and and obviously that's something to be excited about because I always thought in the military I would move into. Uh, become a medic yep. in some capacity so okay. that's where I, why I transitioned to the paramedics got my enlistment date but speaking to a few paramedics with my friends and then as I evolved over those few years I realized I wanted to be more proactive than reactive okay so I left good yeah I good left. words here good words yeah, here. yeah. Like yep. I decided to leave um and put that behind me and become to get into the fitness industry because even prior to the enlistment date and I was running this job uh, as a skilled labourer, I started to run outdoor training sessions and bringing a lot of those dynamics and things I learned for people just to come for free. So I was running three nights a week, 30 people, mix of males and females, different types of training I used to train with them. And so then that sort of um, progressed into maybe, oh, maybe I can actually bring this to a a business and and, and a career and and a lifestyle. 
And, and so I just, uh, at the time, I was sleeping on my sister's couch. I had pretty much no money um, to my name. And I had two mates who went in the military with me and lifelong friends. And they said to me, like, Pap, we know you've got a great concept. We know you've got the right, the right aptitude for it. Uh, we just know that finance is not on your side. So they loaned me $5,000 each. Yeah, right. And that was enough to buy a shitty van, non-descriptive white vehicle, some <laughs> crap equipment. <laughs> um, I, I Actually, one of, the, one of, the, one of my mates, uh, Neville, he's actually a vet as well he helped yep. me spring up like pry these big logs out of like a, a park to use nice. those we touched handles onto it got jerry cans and ropes all your generic stuff Perfect. and uh yeah I got, I got my certificates and uh and my license and my permits and i bought brochures and went door knocking just went hustling in the streets and i started these what we called battle fit australia which yep. the acronym was just from bfa yeah basic fitness assessment and nice. i was like I'm going to name it Battlefield Australia. It sounds bigger than it is. And all of a sudden, we had, I had 50 people joining the first 10-week progressive fitness program. And, mate, it was, it was, it was fantastic. I was, I was back into my element, leading people into some questionable training. Now I look back at it. Um, but the, what people learned from that was it just exposed them to something that they were never exposed to before. And the people became strong, resilient. They started to give a shit about other people besides yeah. themselves yeah. and realised that you know, their capacity for what they can actually take and give is so much higher than they had previously knew. Right, and that's it. Sitting from the outside, watching the way you do your fitness is you, a lot of people you know, work out for a purpose, primarily be that like a, a, a superficial purpose or a physical purpose or even like a performance result but mm. the way in which you go about doing your things it's all those second and third order effects in the in the, the mental and the emotional realm you know you're talking about building up resilience building up that camaraderie building up that um all those personal elements of those people you know you can you can tell that's where you probably really get your uh, drive from um, while there's fantastic physical outcomes mm. they almost when i'm watching you from the outside feel like the the fitness is sort of a byproduct of that mental and emotional alignment. Absolutely. I'm yep. not training elite athletes. I'm not training sporting teams. Um, that's not my realm. Yep. Uh, I, I, I give good, structured, scientifically proven backed programming. Yep. But like you said, that is the byproduct. That isn't the end goal. You know, people, we're building real people here. And that's where I'm sure we can talk later where the 365 comes in. Yep. You know, we'll yeah, what are you doing now? Tell us, tell us what you are doing now. Well, currently, um, I've moved to WA. You have? So Western Australia. All the way over here. All the way from the with East Coast. With your beautiful wife. From, with my wife. Yeah, everyone, it's not fair. <laughs> what was your wife, former Miss? Miss Universe. Yes. Australia. Yeah, right. There we go. <laughs> These babies are going to come out doing burpees and walking the runway. That's it's fantastic. Right. <laughs> yeah, Good. yeah, yeah. No, mate, it was, a, it was an opportunity to, for not – we weren't looking for a fresh start. We mm -hmm. weren't looking to escape, but we were looking to build. Uh, I feel like it's in the next chapter in our life. Yeah. We're wanting to build a family and – Renee's family's here, my, my wife's family's here. Um, we're building a house and, and it's the lifestyle that was enticing in terms of slowing things down. We got everything um, that we could get from Sydney and, and it was a great experience. But we also saw, you know, the good and bad yep. in, in, in a, metro, a heavily metropolitan area where where people are all looking to prove themselves yep. um, one way or the other. And, and the fitness industry can be riddled with some poisonous people and poisonous thinking very inauthentic i yeah. find it yes. yeah. yeah so i'm sure there's, there's other industries and i've heard but it's all the same but it's yeah. all the same right just people in general can be like that so yeah. i thought okay let's let's go over let's let's look at starting this next chapter in our life and continue on so i've actually we're sitting here in, in a studio that i've just 
leased yeah, out. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to uh, give it a facelift. Got new equipment coming in and it, this is for my own training. Yep. Um, but also to film content. Gotcha. Um, and this and is for 365? Yeah, the Everyday yeah, 365. So that's an online program where we focus on training, nutrition, but mindset is a massive pillar oh, in that. Yeah, we want to um, retrain people's thought processes on how they pursue their goals, understand why they're pursuing their goals, their relationship to the said goals, yep. but also you know, gain further awareness of themselves and their, and, and, and their environment because if you've got a, if your default setting when times are tough is to do to take action in in ways that aren't conducive to you achieving goals mm-hmm. you're always going to be circling back to where you started gotcha right so when think because it, it's easy to take positive action when things are good it's easy to get to training it's easy to eat right when everything is going your way we all know that yep. when shit hits the fan which it will it's just yes. a matter of time how do we respond to that? And so if you start to build certain mindset um, capabilities and, and, and you know, certain um, ways of thinking and, and we talk about topics and subjects and themes that are thought-provoking that make you question and think and we want people to be fluid. We don't want you to be fixed in one way of thinking. Yeah. And, then, and there's so many different – there's so much information and noise out there, particularly in the fitness, fitness industry. It's hard for people to know which way is up, left, down absolutely right, it's very saturated right. yeah, it's it? saturated so yeah. we give people some clarity some structure and some ground uh, in their own in their own self and and if they can do that then, then they can have a the, the ability to take every day one step at a time just in the right direction it doesn't have to be a race yeah, nice. uh, as long as they're in a net positive the results will come net positive i like that it's quite yeah. progressive so there's a lot of given on your behalf have you you know much about the love languages I've heard a yeah. bit about love language. Yours 100% is uh, acts of service. You enjoy doing things for others. But I'm tre- intrigued to figure out how you derive value from what you do from people. You know, you get a lot of value giving to people, but how? what makes you tick? How do you need to feel valued doing all this? Or how do you derive value when there's not others around um, mm. to, to prop and support you up or to provide you with the opportunity to support them? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I think a, uh, there's, a, there's a quote out there and I don't know who said it. I'm not going to pretend. I'm going to paraphrase <laughs> this and butcher it. Along the lines of, uh, you know, we suffer a lot more in our imagination than we do in reality. Yep. And I feel that if you can't be in a room on your own and deal with what's going on mm. um, and, and with your own demons and, and, and what's happening within your life, then, you know, you're no good to yourself and you're no good to anybody else. So I think squaring away your own own mindset and, and understanding that, yep, you're not perfect, you make mistakes, things aren't easy – but you're doing everything you can and you surround yourself with people who are similar, who are yeah. like-minded, you know, that, that gives you the ability to go, okay, well, what does, what does make me feel fulfilled? What gives me satisfaction, gives me purpose, belonging? And I find, like, we just don't get taught in today's society. Uh, the, the social culture isn't about giving. Yep. It's a lot about building and, 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 and making something new yourself and there's a lot of I, 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 yep. and, uh, which isn't a wrong – this isn't a bad thing either. It isn't bad to look at wanting to get greater finances, build your career, build your physique. Mm-hmm. These aren't problems. It's just your relationship to these problems. Goals aren't problems. Yep. So if you feel like that you are somebody who is, has low self-esteem and isn't worthy unless you achieve X is the problem because you've got to realise that – we're all individuals with our own identities and we all have our flaws, but that's a part about being human. Yep. And try, try, trying to solve them, live with them, overcome is the journey of life. And if you can be, if you can be happy with who you are, if you can know your, your strengths and weaknesses is who you are and something to continue to evolve and sharpen, then everything else around you is just, you know, 
uh, 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 extras. Yep. They aren't the be all end all. And I think that's what we've been flipped around. Like you'll get, you'll get everyone will start favoring you and liking you if you get this many followers, if you drive this car, if you present yourself this way. Um, Superficiality. Yeah, yeah, materialistic, superficial kind of. So uh, how do you drive your value though? Well, my, like I said, Heston, my value, mate, is me doing everything I can to, when when helping other people in whether it's just helping someone walk across the road, pick up rubbish off the floor, giving someone a call who knows who's who's in grief or physically doing so, whatever it may be, that just ignites me. Um, What about about when you're alone? When it's just you? You know, what is that inner fire? Is it it just simply looking forward to that next, you know, you're you're a planner, you're looking forward to that next opportunity? Uh, you, You know, when you're in your quiet moments, you know, when you're at your own personal demotivating moments, you know, what is it that really sparks you up? Well, that's it. Like we're all going to hit that moment, and we all deal deal with it different ways. And yeah. I mean, for myself, like I uh, preface this conversation was the fact that I have a choice is is a privilege. Yeah. Um, we don't get to choose our circumstances. We all get de- dealt different cards, and it's going to be easier and harder for other people depending on what you're looking at. But you know, knowing that I've got to deliberate with my own self and try to rationalize things, I don't necessarily have to understand it, but I have to know that. At the end of the day, I've got to take that extreme accountability and responsibility and I can't point fingers at anybody else saying my life would be better, it would be easier, this wouldn't have happened to me if A, B and C. And um, Good. I, I just, just taking that stance is yep. empowering, empowering, it's invigorating and you want to teach others that because it kind of sets you free. That's it, taking control of your own narrative. Yeah. You know, I was, we were saying this beforehand, you know, I, during my career I went from a place where I was you know, performing at the top of my game and then sort of getting out, struggling to find a bit of purpose you know a bit of that identity and one of the quotes i just personally love is you know wouldn't it be um sad if all too late you realize you're the only person holding yourself back mm. and it sounds like you're never holding yourself back mate that's pretty fantastic and everything i've learned over this last even couple of months with some of the success with voice of veteran it's been you know so many times I've been sitting there waiting for you know big brother or whatever to you know be doing these things on your behalf or whatever and then as soon as you sort of hit that switch and realise that literally, you know, you're the guy or girl who can make this happen, yeah. um, it, it's pretty incredible to sort of appreciate that that headspace. And, you know, that's what I get to see from you, mate. You're just doing it. <laughs> well, that's it. We, we are the catalyst, yeah. right, to anything, whether it's good or bad. Yep. And, um, Absolutely. And, and it's so easy to, to, to lose your way and, 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 and um, whether it's self-destructive behaviour or... or you, you, you depower yourself, so to speak, when you, you put that into other people. And I'm not perfect, mate. I've got, I've got my flaws and, and I constantly do, you know, uh, I constantly um, slip up and, and do wrong. But being honest with myself and being honest with others, you know, that genuine um, sort of frame of mind. Because it's easy to lie to yourself. Yeah, it's absolutely. easy to say, I, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm training hard enough. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm putting myself there, out there hard, you know, enough. I'm, I'm, I do good for other people um, and you start to believe it. So that's where these, these training protocols and certain dynamics, group dynamics that I learned from the military uh, really were transferable benefits for people, sort of deep, deep-seated minded antics. So, you know, not cutting corners, like don't short rep yourself or don't whatever it may be. Why is that important? Well, if you're going to cut corners in your training, obviously when it's test time, you're going to fail or you're going to cut corners in your relationships, in, in, in your career uh, and you start to, 
grease that groove, that, that habitual thinking, that default setting where you're just like, fuck, it's hard. Yeah. All right, I'll just stop and say I did it. Mate, there are so many brilliant golden and diamond nuggets I want to pull out of this mm. from, um, you know, everything you're saying is through a lens of responsibility. You know, a lot of conversation I have with people where I find they lose their way is when they start looking at things like they're entitled. Yeah. You know, that's where they start to get that negativity. You know, I, I deserve better than this. I deserve this. Whereas everything you're saying is, no, I'm actually responsible for this, be those successes, be those failures. And in that, that accountability piece is so huge and self-accountability is one of the hardest things to do. You know yourself in the military life where people talk about discipline and motivation. It's so much easier to have someone else be accountable for you. Mm. I know I myself, you know, getting out of that military culture, I was always responsible for others. Mm. Um, and that self-accountability personally over the last year was something I really dropped off. Mm. But you can tell, mate, you, you have that mindset. And then the, the last piece is, you know, we focus a lot on, and I'm trying to get people to focus a lot more on their purpose, why they want to do what they want to do. Mm. But as you're saying, you know, one of my favourite quotes I got from my dad is, throughout life, be good at your job and be a good person. How you do what you do will define who you are now and into the future. Mm. And how you do, and focusing on that, not just getting the outcome, is where people are going to learn along the way. And you're talking about things like muscle memory in that process, be it not cutting a corner on a rep, is so applicable across every part of your life because you're actually training mental muscle memory and attitudinal muscle memory yeah it's so it's so critical and it's so impressive sitting here listening to you draw those out and for everyone listening i really want them to take those golden nuggets away uh, and it's funny you say that um even something as simple as not going to not going like not leaving the workstation or your training to go and get a drink of water think about other people right people are still in the is trenches because, is that because gatorade's better gatorade's way better no 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 <laughs> essentially Let's let's do, let's let's win and lose as a team, yeah, um, and and don't have your hands on your hips, don't have your hands on your head, don't be in the fetal position. Like think about how you stand, your posture. Your posture is a reflection of your mindset. And yeah. as a group, if you all can be standing tall and you can all be shaking your limbs out, ready for the next task, rather than hands on the knees, hands on your head, uh, you know, wimping, thinking, oh god, fuck, what am I doing in my life? Yeah. Um, your posture. Is going I love to this. make a change. Yeah, and I this is love this. this is just basic, right? One of, one of my last jobs was flying around the country. Um, where I ran the selection course for commandos and support staff, and we would fly around the country to do the entry tests. Mm. You know, you had to do a, a two point four k waving run and a march and all this. And for me, you know, there was a time that people had to come under, uh, and that was it. And I stood there. You can come in, you know, fourteen minutes under the time, or you can come in fourteen seconds under the time. And all I had my staff assessing was how that person crossed that line and that I had all my staff watching how they conduct themselves afterwards. Yeah. You know, and you'd have the guy who got out the front and smashed it, you know, just leaps and bounds, but then he collapses and carries on like a bloody stuck pig. Yes. Through to the last person who is, you know, busting their ass. You know, they can't just jog in yeah. casual as a daisy, busting their ass and, you know, they want to die. Mm. But you could just tell they had that self-respect, they had that composure, mm. you know, um, because... That's the people that have that self and situational awareness. You know, those who just smash it, they're just self-aware about their own results. But being situational aware does require more effort, but you're, you're so on the money there, mate. It's impressive to hear that in the civilian world. I like it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I started a charity, and we can talk about it a little bit, yeah. called Trek for Vets. And, and you know, what the premise is, essentially, we one of the, the acts that we do is we go, uh, we do the midnight to dawn march. So we start at midnight, and we trek through the night, and then we finish at the dawn service. And it's just, fa- it's phenomenal watching people who have never done it before thinking it's going to be a casual walk and you're you've got a pace it's just um you're stepping out real hard you can go clean skin or you can have you know torsion bar weighted vest pack whatever and it's a mixture of military ex-serving and civilians 
and seeing people going, oh, fuck, like I really depend on the person in front of me and behind me and, yep. and, and, and you can just watch people break. Yeah. You know, before they even start or yeah. as they're starting, you can just see mentally, things just mentally. Mentally, mentally, mentally there's yeah. like, we're three Ks in, we've got another 20 to go and my heart rate's jumping through my mouth. My legs are already sore. Yeah. What the fuck have I done? And just that self, um, it's that self-doubt and, and, and exposure to something new. And that's where the team comes together and that leadership comes in and people rally together and like, what the, why are you here? Like, you should know why you're here. It's beyond you. It's beyond your difficulty. You're sacrificing a night of sleep. You're sacrificing... Obviously, the you know the torture it is to to pack march through the night yeah. and then standing up for an hour at the dawn service that is so insignificant and so small compared to for the real reason that we're doing it and giving people that that inner feel to to, to come through. So and that's so awesome. Mm. Right? That you see, do that every year before Anzac Day finishes on dawn service. Correct. Or, yeah, yes. Cool. So whereabouts? Uh, it started in two thousand and fifteen uh, on the central coast. Okay. We go through. Um, a really good national park through the through the central coast and started with my battle fit crew we only had like 30 35 of us last year or the year before last we had about 350 to wow. 400 okay and we had different um uh, different um contingents around australia so brisbane uh canberra uh, and and places in sydney so the last year in 29 2020 sorry we were meant to have 12 locations uh and we had numbers we had we had it was it was you know, it was something that was just a concept and it, and it really derived from uh, me at the dawn service. It was pouring down raining and there was these two girls in front of me that said, you know what, our Anzacs would have had to fight through the rain. Yeah. And I just thought a little bit of adversity made the day more significant yeah, to these girls who had no it. idea. And I was it. like, fuck it, let's get people to march through the night yeah. um, and singing the same song and know why they're there and donating money to, uh, donating funds to a good cause. Yeah. Uh, and so I really want to get massive groundswell behind this and get yeah. this across the country. We've got New Zealand, America and the UK are interested as Jumps well. On. I don't love that stuff. Mate. There's so many elements to that. Like I have always loved and gravitated towards fitness even after service because as you know yourself, mate, it's the great equaliser. Mm. A push-up is a push-up. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're a CEO or the um, assistant. You know, a push-up is a push-up. Uh, through adversity, you know, in crisis is when we show our true colours, be those character, be those culture. Um, and given adversity, that's when actually people either come together, show their true character, or fracture apart. Mm. And then even again, even now, you know, commando trainings. What what you can't bring about in physical fitness and activities, the weather can help you out with. You know, yeah. we would drop people out in the Sydney Harbour through to, you know, just being cold and wet as well as tired and hungry. There's nothing quite like it, mate. So you've you've mastered those elements, and then take people out into open spaces. We're talking about that sort of awe training or just feeling smaller and insignificant, you know, in areas where you feel smaller than everything else helps to remove that anxiety that people carry through and walk around carrying with these or every single day. So you've really got a winning formula there, man. And then giving people a purpose where Anzac Day in our veteran community is so pivotal. And I mean, mm. so many of our veteran community were hurting, not being able to celebrate it last year. Yeah. Um, plans for this year? Mate, we're, we are actually marrying up with uh, mates for mates okay. so to become we you know we always pushed our money to mates for mates because you know we we could have become a a, a charity yep. but the, the the problem is is that I don't have boots on the ground to where this money needs to go yeah gotcha. I'd have to go out research yeah, you. you know so I wanted to, to to push this forward to people who are already built the foundations yeah uh, doing my research speaking to friends this seemed like the best idea and so we've been donating to them every each in every year yeah. Uh, I did some work with them on social media, actually. 
uh, recently in, in a recent campaign. They asked me, hey, Andrew, what would be your fee to, to post up and, and advertise this campaign? And I, I laughed. I was like, I can't charge <laughs> charity, charity that I, <laughs> that I like, you know, this is, this is against every, every, everything. So I said to them, what's your budget? Because, and, and I sound like an asshole, but I, I'll, I'll finish this on a good note. Uh-huh. And they said, oh, we've got $1,000. Yep. I said, oh, I can do a post for $1,000. And so I post up. I told them, yep, send the money to me. And the funny thing was that the, the whole campaign was about if you donate your money on a particular day, they double it, their partners. Uh, so I just donated $1,000 back and, made, and then made them an extra. Good yeah, tactics. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, it's Jeez, great. they teach you a lot on that gap year, don't yeah. they? Good to go, <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. So that, it, was, uh, it was great to obviously give back and, and, and help out with this uh, great cause. Um, they were able to raise over $100,000 and, and, and um, do some good things and host some new programs. But they have asked to officially partner with Trek for Vets. Okay. And so, you know, they've got, like I said, the boots on the ground and yeah, good uh, and yeah, everything to yeah, sort of get this to the next, scale it up. All about it. But, you know, a raised voice of veteran is like a communications platform, mate. We're not a charity. We're not any of that. There's so many others who are boots on the ground doing so much good stuff. And if anything we want to do is just like help amplify those. And yeah. it's awesome having, you know, you have did your bloody gap year, mate, and you're still there contributing to the veteran community. That's that's epic. So well done for that, mate. Well, mate, that's this is a part of the healing process for me for seeing my friend, yep. you know, uh, and this is like fuck. I have to like I have to give give back some yep. way. So um, you, being able to do that, yep. it, it kind of it helps me, and it also know I know that I'm doing, hoping hoping to prevent this and f- and for other families. As Absolutely, well. mate. You know, just in the current culture and climate that is everything to do with COVID and mental health and physical health requirements. It's just so epic that, you know, essentially in my head, we have you out there as a, as a, as a training cell, putting uh, civilians through this sort of experience stuff, which is stuff that, you know, I happily have things like, you know, everyone who doesn't have a career set after high school goes and does gap year. Or if in the meantime, we have as many people doing this, how can people find out and get on board with this? With, with Trek for Vets? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I've, yeah. I've now got like a, it's a feather in my hat that I want to make this happen bigger and louder. Yeah, awesome, mate. Thank you. No, it's, uh, we've got a website, trekforvets.org. Okay. Um, but we, we are building a new website. I am jumping on the phone with Mates for Mates tomorrow. And get we're going to scale it up. And to, to, make, to, to obviously get it uh, across the nation, um, mate, to, to start making funds that are going to make meaningful impact. But it's really about connecting... Yeah bridging the gap between the civilians and, and veterans and... For sure, building that community. Building that community, yeah. knowing that there's more, there's more to supporting our vets beyond Anzac Day. Absolutely. You know, you've got to be proud of your country and what we've done yeah. and the people who have served every day of the year. And just uh, a small context of what they... As you know, that's sort of like a basic training piece. Exactly. Just some small context of what people go through. Yeah. It's about building, uh, giving them an opportunity to give back because yeah. not everyone can go and serve four years Absolutely. plus. Yeah. So if we can give them an opportunity that entices the, the fitness community, there's a large pop who are into, you know, trying something new. Like, you know, you look at obstacle racing, you look yeah. at all the running events. If we can entice that community with a greater purpose than, you know, fulfilment of achieving something yeah. for themselves but now supporting others. How you doing? And then we just grow it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every... Every contingent that we have is ran or supported by vets. Yeah, got it. So I don't want this to – this is not going to be like, oh, gym owner will take over and someone over yeah. here, Joe Blow. It needs to be people who are grounded, who understand, who know how to conduct 
files and files and files of people. Yeah, you know, so time. we have, you know, with hundreds of people, <laughs> cover we, off. Yeah, we we can't mar- we can't step off at midnight. Yeah, gotcha. Because because there is a sense of urgency where it's time sensitive that you've got to get to the dawn service. So we've had moments where we've had to pick people up on our shoulders and just run with them because the support vehicles can't get where oh, we're right. at. And we're yeah. just, you know... Stretch your carriage from the rear, man. <laughs> get into it. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's brutal in some points, but mate, it just like you said, it gives them a little bit of a, a slither of what, what happens. For sure. And even just that, mate, veterans also, empowering veterans to give back as well. That's okay. a huge part. You know, so much of what we're doing is that veterans helping veterans and just others helping others. It's so therapeutic, cathartic for you to be able to be that force that actually provides that support to people. And particularly in your case, mate, what you're doing there is providing veterans with, you know, something that is actually sort of bread and butter for them. Yes. And to be honest, mate, in this in this COVID world of 1.5 metre spacings and everything, who better than to maintain the spacings and distances and <laughs> yeah. files? And, yeah. You know, this, that is, you know, things are ticking over in my head, particularly if we have to face another um, Anzac Day this year on lockdown. You know, these sort of activities have run professionally an expert as you were sort of saying you know can help mitigate all those requirements to still uh, achieve what is needed on that day and reflecting remembering but also bringing together people for that community piece so yeah. that's awesome all right yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk more on this we're gonna social media stuff and get get amongst it mate you are a very happy cheery character um when are you not what gets you down what really um brings you down to or where have you been at your lowest Good questions. Uh, look, I've, I'm, I'm into my ultra training, ultra events, so multi-day, multi-stage events where you... You have issues though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, Hessen, this is a part of um, where I started. And I think, uh, again, okay. you can't... It's that mental game. Everyone can, everyone can yeah. fluff a 100-metre run. Yeah, mate. And anyone can do that. But a 100-kilometre run, you know, five, seven, eight-day run, yeah. whatever it may be, you can't. You've, yep. got to, you've got to work for it. You've got to build. You've got to fail. There's the highs and lows. And so the correlation between life and ultra running or ultra events is very similar where if you're going into a run, uh, an ultra event thinking it's all going to be okay, yep. you're going to lose yeah, right. you know, or you're going to suffer a lot more. If you go into it knowing – It's not even losing. It's probably just pulling out. Yeah. People yeah. may lose the cutoff times. Yep. They might self-withdraw. That's yep. right. But if you're going into it realizing that, yep, there's going to be lows, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it, and I know what to action and how to think when I hit those places because it's inevitable, yeah, right. then you, you know, you're going to enjoy those highs, those euphoric moments that we discuss about feeling small, feeling insignificant, being, uh, having that euphoria, uh, euphoria of like, um, you know, it's that transcendence beyond yeah. your own problems and day-to-day things. You know, yeah. you, you, you're doing something that gives you fulfillment, doing something that's beyond what people would say is normal. It's, in, it's really invigorating, yeah. but hitting those lows and then going, yep, this is how we're going to respond. Yeah. You finish the race and you feel, you feel like you've achieved something really, really good. So it's also the preparation and the structure it gives you and knowing that if you obviously shortcut your training, yep. you're going to suffer immensely during the time that you put yourself through. Got it. Got yeah. it, mate. So you have to go out there and give yourself these physical challenges to hit those low points. Yeah. So, like, look, life for me, like personal life, personal circumstances is hard. Like, it's hard yeah. enough and there's, there's a lot of low points and I've been through uh, uh, I've been through stuff that, you know, it, we all have a story and this yeah. is not me feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. been through things that aren't easy. Um, yeah. And that is something that... Um, I don't want. I'm not running. Not running away from anything necessarily. It's it again. It's like I also don't know whether like my, some of my family members didn't 
fall ill with mental illness until they're in their thirties. Yeah, good chance. So I don't know whether it's a ticking time bomb. Yep. Or, but I'm not living in a, in a life of fear. Oh, I'm just taking control as much as I can and doing everything I can to set me up in a position that I could hopefully mitigate ever, that ever happened. Well, I reckon you're doing pretty well, mate. But um, one point is, you know, where those, those fractures or potential breaking points occur is transitions in our life. You know, you've been through a lot of transitions yourself, some planned, some not planned. Your transition over here to Western Australia has been very planned. But um, like we are saying before, you've got your, your wife's family over here. Um, what about your own sort of support network? You've gone through a very large change, um, a very large transition from professional career. I know you've got a lot of things going on. Yeah. But, um, you know, how, how fresh is the move over here? Uh, let me look at my watch. It was about 20, 26 days ago. Okay, gotcha. Um, so you've gone through a big transition piece in your life, you know. You've you set about, I can tell, you set about establishing your routine. Mm. You have your, your sanctuary here, you have your places. What's your... What's your sort of support network like over here? It's, is it all your wife's family? And what, what do you need to help you stay motivated and engaged? Look, support network is massive. Yep. Um, and I, I, like, I haven't been in touch with my family for a number of years now. Um, and losing that, because I, I think people have a, a, a preconceived notion of what family should be. Absolutely. And so I was thinking, I've got to stick around. I've got to support. I've got to be their rock. Um, and then I, it came to... It came to meeting Renee's family and being at, you know, certain functions with them and realising, oh, wait, hold on. Is this how a yeah. functioning family carries themselves? I'm like, it really exposed how dysfunctional things were for me. Yep. Trying to mend it, trying to make it work. It didn't work. And I realised that, you know, you've got to choose your family. Yep. Um, family by blood is, yeah, I understand that concept, but... Uh, we can't pick our family by blood, but we can can't pick our family we keep. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, mate, exactly right. And so I understood that sticking with them was, was what wasn't going to be my best interest and, and not for my future. So I mm. had to do what I had to do. And coming across the country, Renee and I moving to the next chapter, this was the obvious choice. Renee's family is fantastic and they are a, a massive support for me. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm still in contact with my brother. He went through something similar that I did. Okay. Um, he lives up in Cairns and we get to chat on the phone. We didn't speak for seven years. Yeah, right. And he's gotcha. 12 years older than me and yep. he's a great guy. And having, having that base in my corner is really good. Yep. Um, but this fitness community, I've been burned hard from certain individuals and certain groups within the community. But I've been given so much more with my 365 community, uh, the active escapes, these fitness retreats that I do, Trek for Vets. Um, and I believe that what I put out there, hopefully people can see that it's it's coming from a, a real place. And when they reciprocate, you know, that's where that support comes in. Yeah. You talked a lot about that fitness community piece. You know, you're all out there. You know, I, for me on the outside, it looks like you're, you're spread pretty, th- pretty thin as far as what you do. But what I can see is you actually have a very good routine. And it sounds like that uh, emotional support at home is obviously... Renee and you probably have your own type friends have you brought more friends over here or do you have friends over here as well or well all my lifelong friends on the east coast where, yeah um I have I have you know acquaintances through 365 and through active escapes yep. and um but there's been an amazing amount of response of people reaching out saying hey man I'll take you on this trail run we're gonna go up here check out this surf spot oh, awesome. so okay which is really here cool. in the local community yeah just don't get that on the east coast mate <laughs> no 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 that's right <laughs> unless they want something from you exactly <laughs> no so having that is I just I understood that like friends are important of yeah, course man. but this but it's what you need yeah. you know that's the biggest thing I've learned even most recently is um you know that some people aren't meant to be in your life forever 
Yeah. And you've just got to find those that value add to you and end up making you happy. Particularly someone like yourself, mate, I could see that you would attract a lot of people who want things from you. Yeah. Um, whereas finding those people who don't and actually value add to you, um, do you have a, a big circle of friends or do you just have that sort of tight-knit crew? I have a small group of mates who I've known since – some I've known since I was seven years old. Okay. And some I've known since I was 18. Yeah. But um, we've all been through everything together and, you know, we're each other's groomsmen. We, you know, we, we catch up when we can. We're going through this next phase of our life being 30. And, and that's, that's – it's good to have. Yeah. Uh, and I actually catch up with them on, on uh, online playing Xbox, Call of Duty. Oh, get, God. Get a head, get a it, mate. <laughs> oh, look. <laughs> Look, I'm I did not pick that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's your bloody creative release, is it? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's is um it's 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 fun to explain. Uh but that is my my time to unwind because yeah. you, you know when you train and you're physically exerting yourself, you're not thinking about problems because you're you're in that headspace of like got to get done. But that's a physically taxing. Yeah. And so I can't always physically tax myself when I need to switch off because reading a book, watching a movie, my mind wanders. Yeah. Um. So getting into a game where it requires 100 percent of your focus, yeah, I'm with you. It's not physically taxing. That's yeah. where I get that release. But you know, it's about once a week I get to, to get to play it. Oh. Okay. Get allowed to. Is I'm allowed a, to. <laughs> you're rationed, are you? I'm rationed hard. So oh I'm like, God. oh, Renee, you got a dinner with your friends again? How long? Okay, yep, no worries. Enjoy your time. Have you got like a full chair and headset? Uh, and I wish. No, I've got a headset. What's your, what's your call sign? What's your nickname? That's oh, embarrassing. Tell me. Pappy boy. Happy boy. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it since I was like 13 on the original Xbox and I've just stuck with it. Just gonna Happy boy. It. Mate, yeah. you're going to be inundated by all forms yeah. of Call of Duty. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Assassins at the moment. Yeah, let's link up. Are you a camper? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. You were the one that like jumps and throws grenades. Yeah, and go, yeah I, okay, cool. I get after. I don't, I don't get my sleeping bag out and chill out. Oh, good. Jeez, the poor old campus, mate. I haven't touched that stuff in ages. Yeah, but um, it's gonna be very interesting. Yeah, sitting here watching, mate. You've been through a lot. I think you're a, you're one of the most like well-grounded, well-established dudes as far as like your own personality. Um, it's impressive to see. And you were talking before about the um, fitness community. Um, you know, I've dabbled in it just as far as um raising and building business but not as a, as a trainer and mate you are you are all forms of um a symbol that people would become competitive with and want to cut you down like i'm sick of it in australia this tall poppy cutting syndrome and this is you know we're 2021 you know people yeah. listening to this you know, you've got a guy here talking about accountability responsibility um about his passion to help others you know if you heard words like entitlement if you heard words that oh, that sounded like arrogance you know then you you're definitely not listening it's people like you we should be propping up but we don't we don't do that and particularly in the fitness community where it's a pretty saturated terrain um and a lot of people think that their shit is the best going around there how have you had to deal with that i'm sure you've had it coming in from left right and center yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you said it, you, you pitched it well. Um, yet people, I think trainers in particular are more concerned what other trainers think about them yep. than their actual clients, their health and well-being of their clients. And it, it, uh, it's such a low fruit to attain your certificate three and four yep. that there's no high bar entry that you don't get to weed out people who shouldn't be there. Uh-huh. There's fantastic trainers out there who want to do best for others and, and you can see that. And regardless if they're just a glorified timekeeper at a particular group gym setting or they're you know academically pushing athletes, you can see the people who are focused on their, their craft and want to support in their community and create a great culture. Yeah. But you just get everyone in between who are looking at others and like how do I – how can I use that person to capitalize my own gains and how can I, um, you know, social climb and all these other things, which is, it's sad because they're not putting their job 
at the forefront yeah. through their, their purpose. actions. Their purpose. purpose is completely wrong. Exactly. And yeah. I think a good way of looking at it is if you if you can't be ha- champion someone's success or mourn someone's failures, if you're not doing that, it comes from you. Yeah. Right. So if, if you achieve some great success, I'll be the first person to tell you, well done. Yeah. I'll be the first person to tell you to pull your head in as well if you're good. doing something stupid. Accountability, yeah. Um, but I'll also be the first person to give you a call, see how you're doing if something shit happened. Yep. That's because I'm secure in myself and what I'm doing. I, and, I, and, and I find that people who are the first ones to point fingers and, and stomp on someone when they're down and the people to talk behind someone's back and, and like you said, tall poppy syndrome when there's some success achieved, you know, it's just complete reflection on themselves. And that doesn't, knowing that doesn't make it easier to bear with, but... I think understanding it is going to help you, okay, well, I've just got to keep the focus on me yep. and what I'm doing. I don't know whether it spawns from us being convicts, mate, and always being for the, <laughs> you know, honestly, this is what I've, I've thought about Good. this. Good, all right, I like it. You know, coming from a, a country where we were all convicts and we are always kind of had our fist up at authority and it's all about the underdog, Um that's where I think our mindset is wrong, where you look at America who went over there to start a new life, to, to pioneer yeah. and to explore. They're the ones who really, what I've seen, champion each other's success. Yep. Um, someone could take off their shirt and flex and people are like, fuck yeah, that dude's ripped, how good. Yep. You do in Australia, you get a tomato thrown at your head and saying, sit down, <laughs> right? Not, and I'm yeah. just using that as a simple analogy. No, no, I'm with you, absolutely. And I just find that, you know, if you've, if you've got that mindset of and thinking that you know you want to chop everyone down who's doing good, um, and you want to you, you've got you're not going to support people when they need you. I just don't find that you're going to get anything from yourself. Yeah, I feel that it can be very sheltered here on our beautiful island down here in the south. And you're right, you know, it, it's something definitely ingrained within culture. But I mean, this is the great part about culture—you can change it. <laughs> and um, you know, these guys like yourself, mate, who stand up and. It comes from that place, like you said, of just being secure in what you're doing, mm. but also being insecure why you're doing it. Mm. You know, I'm sure you're not always secure in what you're actually doing there mm. and then, but you're secure in why you want it to be done. And even like you're saying in the, in the fitness industry, focusing on the outcome for the person you're supporting as opposed to, you know, fitness is so individual. Life is so individual. How can people become so competitive with each other when your outcome is to derive the best value for the individual, the group, whatever you're sort of doing? It's just there's such low-level petulant conversations and it's so easy for people to get caught up on them. But, I mean, even to anyone listening on this, you know, even the great man like Andrew Papp, I don't see you get it left, right and centre. Um, it's so important just to not buy into it, just to keep doing what you're doing. It's hard, mate. Like, yeah. we, we're, we're social creatures, yeah, you know. Absolutely. When someone tells you something... Uh, but do uh, they tell you, mate? Do they ever, uh, like, say it to your face nah. or is it always... Oh, don't worry. Yeah. I've sat down with individuals... And, and ambush them and yep. said, oh, I heard this and that. And yeah. they just melt, mate. They just melt. They don't yeah, know how to conduct sure. themselves. But besides the certain individuals and yeah. whoever, whatever is going on, it is that, that culture that exists. Um, you know, people, they, I think social media really inflates that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it, it is the well, cu- it's so easy for people to get on social media and themselves not actually come out attacking, but it just starts, you know, by them potentially dropping something little, you know, potentially thinking you're not being authentic or whatever, but it's so easy, I find it myself, you know, to suddenly just stop myself. It's like, hey, like, would you say that to that person's face? Mm. Imagine if we just all went about doing that, mm. how much easier it would be because mm. um, they're never the people that do it to your face. Nah. Um, and unfortunately, doing it yourself is then rubbing off on someone else. Um, it's the smallest little steps we can put in place. 
Yeah, I, it, it is a double-edged sword. You know, it serves for good and you for bad. This, you have all the military sayings. I oh. like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good one. It is, mate. I mean, it is for good and for bad, and and it's really up to the user. And like again, it's respons- You got to be responsible. Whether you have five followers or five million followers, you got to be responsible for the content you put out there. Yeah. Um, not everyone has an account to change anything. Some people just do it because it makes money, or it's their own ego, or yep. it's a hobby. Yeah. All right. So you can't have one big thing I learned a few years back was to stop putting my own expectations onto other people. Mm-hmm. I can't expect people to conduct themselves uh, the way that I, or hold the standards that I do um, because I would get angry and frustrated. Um, and I also would see that um, because I, man, this is not saying there's, I hold a certain standard and that's the pinnacle or the, p- the premium standard. There's many things that I'm building and, and I'm the first one to admit when I've done, uh, done wrong and, and my weaknesses, but not everyone thinks like that yep. when shit happens people think about poor me or whatever it may be yeah. people don't conduct themselves in certain ways so i think i have to be more have to be more empathetic and so not put those expectations so i can't expect people are going to get get around me like i would for someone and say yeah. good job for doing a b and c or let me help you out and if someone doesn't do that for me i'm not disappointed yeah, yeah. this is this conversation on vulnerability versus weakness you know it sounds like you have fully matured to appreciate that you know um, they're not all weaknesses. You know, being vulnerable is actually a fantastic part about being human because as soon as you take on something that you're not good at or something that didn't go the way you wanted to or something that does affect you, it, it actually empowers you. It puts armour on that and, and adds it to your repertoire. And um, what does that sort of word vulnerability mean to you? Mate, it just, it just reminds me of being a young kid, just dealing with the, the issues that I had to face and you, your family is your soundboard, your rock, your rock and your support system, but when those issues are occurring from within, like what do you do? So a lot of, I had to go through a lot of self-processing and, and understand, I had to mature quite quickly yeah. to, to survive and, and, and move forward. Um, so I've had that appreciation of not neglecting how I feel and being, and my mother did teach me how to be a very good communicator and I, and I was able to take that through into everything that I've done and, and, and it's really enabled me to, to gain insight and, and empower myself, like you said, said, not to let it drown, drown you out and say that, you know, weakness and vulnerability are two different things. I think that's something that we all need to, to appreciate and, and give thought um, because too many of us are overwhelmed by our weaknesses yep. and, and think that... that um, that, 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 that aspect of vulnerability, you, I guess, especially with the army, especially being a man, especially maybe even this day and age, we have to feel our own feelings yep. and we get taught not to. Um, and so I'm they someone... catch up to you. Yeah, I'm someone on the cusp that's like, yeah. you've got to feel it, but you've got to get put things in perspective. Yeah, absolutely. You can't let it control you. You need to control your feelings. Yeah. Yeah, nice. All right, mate, there's been so much covered here. Um, I'm sitting here... I like to call these my mental fitness sessions. You know, we talk so much about mental health. One little thing, if I can try and change, is mental fitness. You know, I see a psychologist, I see a psychiatrist. They're my mental health sessions, but it's just conversations. You know, like these that help you uh, build those um, pathways and mind frames in your own head. Um, you know, speaking to others helps draw things out, feel more relatable. You know, even to your story, mate. Yeah, you you feel a bit more human to me just sitting here talking to you. You're not just fucking biceps and burpees. But, <laughs> mate, what's the biggest lesson? You know, this is those questions. The biggest lesson in life that you've learned so far, you know, if you could go back and talk to whoever, mm. your younger self, um, you know, you probably got like myself who's like, I'm happy with every lesson that I've learned. Mm. But um, something that you feel that, you know, someone listening could be empowered by just what you've learned throughout your life to date. Look, I did actually say this earlier in the podcast and I'm going to have to reiterate it again because it's, 
it's a piece that doesn't matter the severity of the situation and circumstances that you're going through, whether it's light or very heavy, it's, it's just it's a universal truth um, that we define ourselves not by our circumstances but by how we respond to those circumstances because, you know, you, you talk to people about, I didn't choose this, like, you know, I didn't choose to lose my job, I didn't choose for someone to pass away, I didn't and of course you didn't and it's fucking shit, yeah. right? Of course that sucks. Of course you can be angry, of course you can be upset but continuing that path, that self, self-destructive thought, continuing not to do anything about it and pointing your fingers at other people, it's going to take take everything away from you, anything that's left. And if you want to rebuild or, or, or capitalise on, on any opportunity, it just comes down to yourself. Um, and, and it's the small things. Like for 12 months straight, I didn't pee in the shower. That was a, <laughs> that was a challenge I put to myself. And, I, like, and let me explain my thought process on this, mate, before... I love that everyone, segue. That was good, yep. Everyone, before everyone uh, turns this podcast off. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, peeing in the shower, it's easy, it's comfortable, it's, uh, it's convenient. Efficient. Yep. It's efficient. But if I can't stop myself from being in the shower, how can I achieve anything worth having? Wow. So Mate. it's so simple. We are going to have the, the pee-free, um, <laughs> challenge, pee-free challenge. <laughs> yeah. Shower pee-free. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And I, I know it's so simple and it's, and it's, it's idiotic, but... No, it's, it's huge, mate. It's actually a huge thing. And, you know, during this last period, we stepped up a support group for a bunch of people who have been caught in lockdown and... Um, hotel isolation um, and a lot of that stuff coming down to routine and discipline and um, so many people are great with routine and discipline when they have um, extrinsic motivations when they have others holding themselves accountable but it's actually through our own individual accountability holding ourselves to accountable for something that only we can hold ourselves accountable to that you actually achieve real personal growth and self-development yeah in those private moments you know there's unless there's someone in the shower, making sure you don't pee. Um, (laughs) So, you know, this is where we say things like you'll hear people like Admiral McRaven and Obama, you know, making your bed in the morning. You can can do – these are things that you don't have to do, Mm. but just small individual steps throughout the day to help hold you accountable because it actually shows to you, hey, you know, I can do these things. Yeah. And that's really where I fell off the rails getting out of the military. I was around my platoon and my company of dudes all the time and I was always in a leadership position, whatever – and it was actually during those times where I had nothing more than just to look after my dog, and thank God I had to look after my dog, mm-hmm. that um, I really realised that I was terrible at self-accountability mm-hmm. if, unless I was in front of others. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to take that not pee in the shower metaphor and run with that, mate. That might even be the intro to this podcast. Who look, knows? Hey, mate, it's a big lesson. And I think like you're saying, yeah, and that's like, look, that's the philosophy of the 365 is people are like, oh, do I have to train every day? Is it train every day for 365 days? And it's not. It's, it's far from it. It's that every day presents itself as an opportunity yeah. to, to be able to take that step in the right direction, no matter how small or big it is, and, and about building sustainability and, and, and building habits that help change your default setting to serve you. Yep. Um, and that's where we have those little things where it could be whether it's meditation, whether it's movement, whether it's some small things you can do for your own uh, your own self, um, uh, self-building, self-empowerment. Yeah. And it, it, may, it, it goes such a long way because everyone looks at somebody who has achieved X and thinks, i got to do what they're doing. Yeah. When it's not, it's not the right way. You are so far from doing what they're doing. You need to do what they did to get there. Yeah, gotcha. And that's what's... That's it. And then that's the biggest thing. Like, why would I get a client, someone's like, oh, I want to deadlift... I want to go and get as strong as I can. I wouldn't go, okay, was well, your first time in the gym? Just pick up that 300 kilo barbell off the floor. That expectation on yourself is going to, you're going to fail. You got to do, you got to go through all the highs and lows and everything that, that surrounds achieving such feats. Yep. And 
that's what an everyday that's what the everyday 365 represents absolutely you're building those pathways mate you're all over it all right what is the future this is my old and saggy question what is the future of andrew pap mate you are you're on a mission you're a man on a mission you've got your purpose you've got um so much bubbling potential where where, where are you in 10 20 50 years when you are old and saggy (laughs) old and saggy yeah yeah i understand uh look mate hopefully uh the, the aim is to be surrounded by loved ones and family Aww. of my own, yep. um, to be continuing to self-evolve and push myself year in, year out to new endeavours, whether that's you know running through the Alps, you yep. know, doing an Ironman, doing all these things that gives me that structure, gives me that purpose and appreciation of you know the benefits of being disciplined yep. um, and having that, those um, trans, um, transcendence moments yeah, gotcha. uh, when, when you're in, within your own craft. Uh, focusing on the 365 and expanding that um, and also making Trek for Vets something that's unmatched in terms of bringing communities together and making a big difference. So, Brilliant. Um, and mate, raising kids to, to, to feel and think the same. That's it. Move to WA to maybe have some chitlins. Yeah, that, yeah. Look, look, that, that, it's a great place for it. Yeah. Um, and it gives us the ability of having the support from Renee's family. Don't let them go swimming out there in the ocean too much, mate. Yeah, the big sharks over oh, here. They're terrible. But that's great. I want to quickly jump on that, people. What you saw was a lot of people think that they need to have, you know, these end goals, you know. When I'm, you know, 80, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this. You know, family is definitely one of those key things. You mentioned a couple of key projects there, but you've, what you've actually demonstrated is that sort of open goal mindset. The focus is 100% on the journey, how you're getting there to making sure that wherever you are in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you are growing and increasing your capabilities individual to tackle anything that needs to be faced. Um, you know, a lot of people get so hell-bent on achieving individual accomplishments mm-hmm. and it's people to have those. Um, so as we have that response and that feedback and that accomplished feeling, but um, that sort of proactive mindset that you have to continually self-develop is impressing, mate. And uh, how, can, how can our community help you? How can we help keep you accountable? Uh-huh, mate, um Look, I, I have a platform on Instagram, which has been amazing to yep. be able to share my life on there, yep. um, or bits and pieces. And this is Andrew Papp. Andrew Papp. With a big blue tick. So yeah, Andrew underscore Papp underscore. Yeah, gotcha. Um, trekforvets.org uh-huh. is a big thing that people can go on there and just uh, just keep up to date, whether it's the Facebook group or on there on the website. Awesome. Um, there's going to be big news coming for 2021, which is yeah. exciting. So but if you can... If you're going to do good by me, that's, that's do, do good by Trek for Vets. That'd be great. Good. Okay. Really appreciate it, mate. Well, thank you so much for your time, Legend. It's been so impressive sitting here listening to you as the person filled with purpose and accountability and you're, you're wise beyond your years, mate. You're like a fit fucking Buddha sitting across from you. So, <laughs> um, we are going to have you back on, mate. We're going to have you back on to do an authenticity ambush. I'm not going to tell you what that is. Good. But, um, yeah, if you, what I like to do with the Voice of Veteran community is too many people, I think, go around and just do one-off podcasts. Yeah. But, um, you know, like I said, what are, you, what are your aspirations? What are your goals? You're going through a transition in your life. Um, I'd love to come back and check in with you and yeah. see how you're going Absolutely, and mate. see some reflection and see some progression and see if you are practising what you're preaching, mate. That's where I enjoy. That's great. <laughs> you, can, you can put me under a microscope. But yeah, good. I mean, at the end of the day, like seven years ago, I would not think I'd be here. Yeah, no, good, and, mate. And so it's one thing, that, you know, particularly speaking to individuals who are going into the fitness industry where they're doing the Cert 3 and 4 and they're asking, you know, how do I become a trainer and, you know, active escape? How do I achieve my own online business? How do I open up a gym? And you're like, these are great goals to, to go for, to endeavour. But, you know, you've come into an industry industry that's to serve others. Yeah. And if it doesn't manifest itself in those co- key concepts, yeah. the concept will still be there 
but might manifest itself in you being a nurse, you being a dietitian, yeah. you being something else. So don't I think as as much as you want to be focused and set in on one idea, have yeah. that fluidity and an, an ability to pivot when necessary to continue that you know that like we said that key element of purpose and drive yeah. and authenticity. Something's going to derive from it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I, I look at you, and you've been doing this for much longer than me. Um, in saying that, it's only been the last few months that I've finally appreciated that I don't need all these achievements i just need to be doing what um, makes me feel the most value makes me feel happy what is my true and authentic purpose and everything else will come to it yeah and it's very impressive sitting here with you to actually appreciate you've been doing that for years you've been doing that the whole time mate um and um yeah that's really impressive to see and impressive to keep watching and thanks so much for having us on thanks mate thanks for having us pleasure see you mate Thanks for listening to the Voice of a Veteran podcast. We really hope that there were some key takeaways that might help you be they relatable, be they aspirational, but we're not just here for your entertainment. So please make sure you remember, move on and action from here. And that's it, guys. If you've heard something here today that has truly helped you, it's our duty to share that information with as many as we can. Support is about being proactive and that's taking action to better our own lives as well as the lives of as many mates as we can. We love your support getting these messages out. So please subscribe. Go to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Voice of a Veteran. Catch you next time. See ya.